0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another iWolfs. We're here today with Kelly Dunbar. Hi, there. Ian Dunbar. Hello, everybody. And me, Jamie Dunbar. And today we're going to be uh, addressing a question submitted to us by one of our readers, Shirley in New Jersey. But surely we're in California, right? Sorry. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yes, yes. Well,
1: surely you can't be serious. I
0: hate myself at times. (laughs) Surely it's time to move on. All right. Uh, so I'm going to summarize a little bit, because her original letter was a little longer, but basically she says, I'm a dog trainer with a reactive dog, with a very strong prey drive and herding drive, which I'm nervous will lead to aggression. He wants to chase down people riding bikes, running by our house, or even cars that go by. My yard is fenced, but he's jumped the fence a few times, and uh, just when I thought I had it under control, he did it again. He actually cut a man on a bike. Uh, cut his leg with his tooth or claw or something like that. Anyway, she's a dog trainer and she's helped, helped people train their dogs with this problem before. But she says that it only happens when the dog is off-leash. So uh, when she tries to do scenarios and, um, and deal with the aggression in you know, controlled settings with the dog on-leash, it doesn't react. Um, she does go on to say, kind of an aside, that the dog's been in an agility class and would bark and charge at other dogs, um, never got into a situation where it caused damage, but, uh, but has got. I think, le- let's forget
2: the charging other dogs, it's so secondary to the problem we're talking about here that the dog, uh, chases people off leash, um, don't let the dog off leash, don't leave the dog in your yard if he can jump over the fence, leave him in your house, I mean, this is the type of stuff that gets dogs a bad reputation, it's really very, very silly. And it's a situation where, as Kelly always says, well, let's manage the problem for the time being. Mm-hmm. So let's keep the dog in the house and let's walk the dog on leash. Why? Because she says it doesn't do it on leash. Mm-hmm. So she can manage the problem simply and, and live with the dog in a pretty nice way.
1: Well, it sounds like an owner absent problem and or a, a situation where the dog has become equipment wise and realizes when it is on leash. And probably more likely that in that scenario, the handler is in training mode because she's practicing, let's say, in a long line to help her dog not charge other bicy- bicyclists or whatever it may be. And when in training mode, she's paying attention at a level she probably doesn't do a, when she's not present or in a more relaxed mm-hmm. manner, maybe just hanging out in the backyard or something. So it sounds like the dog is equipment-wise and training-focused and yet doesn't have the, the transition to just real-life. Integration. Yeah, like to me. I
2: mean, this is the it's the, always a common presentation of the problem that my my dog's fine on leash, off leash, he does this horrible stuff and he's uncontrollable, and it, it's largely because the leash was used in training. And the dog doesn't need the brains of Einstein to realize not to misbehave when on leash and when the when, you can be grabbed by the owner, but when you're off leash and at a distance, you can do what you like. So. But rather than going down the route of how did this develop and what have you, I think um, giving some suggestions for treatment is really important. And I I find this a very common situation where people present the problem in an impossible situation. They say, my dog is off-leash at a distance with a stranger I've never seen and he's unpredictable, impossible to solve problem. Oh, but he's totally fine when people come to the house or he's fine on leash. So we have this, what I call the perfect dog, the Jekyll and Hyde type presentation. And I think what they forget is you start training in situations where the dog is good. So you introduce this dog to people when he's on leash at your home. You introduce the dog to bicycles, Mm -hmm. stationary bicycles, people pushing the bicycle when he's on leash. And the people on the bike have him sit and feed him and do all of this preparation work. Yeah.
0: Actually, now that you mention it, it makes me think that she says you know, she's practiced scenarios and the dog didn't react as if that was a failure. No, that's she's getting of, that. That was an important step in the process. Yeah. And she just needs to... It's a
1: gradual process. Right, and have needs to, to continue building on that. Slowly upping the ante and going right. to lighter and lighter lines and different proximities. And
0: right, if the dog's not reacting on leash mm-hmm. in front of a bicyclist... That's, that's a good thing. I know.
2: And then, whereas you see that the mindset is, "Oh, this problem is unsolvable," so I'm not going to do anything, or I'm at my wits' end, rather than celebrating all the victories and all the good things about this dog. He's fine in the house. He's fine on leash. He's fine in setups. Now we just need to expand them and do more and more setups. Well, it
1: also does make make me wonder how much of how much reinforcement for not reacting is happening in general as well very little you know, that's yeah that's generally as yeah. you as you've said many a time and in, in a recent podcast you know the they, people are very good at pointing out the bad and, and ignoring mm-hmm. the good so you know how many, how many cyclists do you go by without that happening regardless <clears> of the proximity um, has she tr- tried practicing when she's in the backyard with the, the fence safely in place in a more casual environment where she's pretending to do something else, sitting and reading a magazine, you know, the dog will mostly not likely jump the fence if she's present that quickly. There are things she could be doing to set up a more casual setting and to reinforce the good behavior, probably, to help bridge the gap between the extremes that you, you just mm-hmm. spoke of.
2: And I think during the period, you know, live within your comfort zone. There's so many good things about this dog where she can have a good time with the dog and train for the impossible situations, but in the meantime, the dog should not be off leash around busy streets with people on bicycles, it's it's too silly, it's too dangerous, and so we get back to basic control. Let's work on a single emergency command, sit or down. And let's proof this up in in ever sort of more complicated situations with more distractions at a distance and so on. Mm-hmm. Because if you know, she's done agility, she says, and she's done a lot of training. So okay, if she says sit, will the dog sit? That yeah, an would be, emergency
1: sitter yeah. down would do wonders here if it really were a yeah. an impulse, you know, res- an impulse response, what am I trying to say? Um, reflexive it, response. It, yeah.
2: I mean, it's kind of like you're walking your dog and all of a sudden she's a squirrel is going to take off. So you go, sit. Well, I expect the dog to sit or else I wouldn't have him out there walking off leash because stuff can go wrong so quickly in a, even a quiet street. There's no cars. Well, in. It takes one squirrel, one raccoon, a dog off leash, a child on a skateboard, and all of a sudden you've gone from in control to out of control. I and mean, really well, it's quickly. difficult
1: to, again, it's about bridging the gap. It's difficult for people to... Break down exactly how many steps or how many practice sessions they need to make that happen and how much reinforcement and feedback they need I think mm-hmm. most people don't do enough of any of those things mm-hmm. and still expect a dog that perhaps has at best if you do a sit test Let's say your your sit test, which we should talk about uh, Maybe a, a 60 or 70 percent sit, which is not bad, but not great if they if a dog won't won't do a, a sit but 60 70 percent of the time in Proximity to you there's a zero likelihood that it's going do it to do it at, at a, it, distance. At a yeah. distance with higher distractions. So maybe
2: you should talk about your sit test. No? Well, it, so it's, it's, it's the come. proofing process, yeah, that um, most people train in a very small comfort zone. They will ask the dog to sit when on leash, uh, when facing them in front, and when by their side in heel position. Mm-hmm. And so they think their dog knows what sit means, but if you move slightly outside of that, you'll find the dog doesn't sit. And so what I would do in the sit test is change things slightly, like for example, I would say I'd hold the dog's leash, ask the owner to turn their back to the dog, take two steps away, and instruct the dog to sit.
1: If you're at home by yourself, you can do this with a mirror.
2: Yeah, um, tie the dog to a door or, or something. Well,
1: not usually, yeah, okay. But,
2: so the person asked the dog to sit, mm-hmm. and I said, if he sits, I'll say, good dog. Well, he, he, I don't say good dog, so he's not sitting. So I say, well, repeat it. She says, Rover, sit. Well, everyone looking starts to laugh because what the dog is doing. He's like looking at her butt and like cocking his head from side to side like this every time she speaks. Like, it spoke. It spoke. But what the dog doesn't do is sit. Mm-hmm. So I have her say sit five times, no sit. Then I say, turn around, ask your dog to sit. Dog sits instantly. So then I ask everyone who is looking, saying, well, is the dog being disobedient? And they all say no. Mm-hmm. I say, why do you say that? He didn't sit. They say, yeah, but he was looking at it the whole time. And they eventually all agree that I think the dog just doesn't know what sit means when your back is turned. All right? So then I make the point. I say, okay, if I can demonstrate here, if you are two yards from your dog and your back is turned and you say sit and he won't sit, what makes you think the dog would sit if the dog's back is turned and he's 40 yards away chasing a rabbit? Mm-hmm. You get it? Because mm-hmm. that's the impossible scenario where everyone says, oh, we need a shot collar. No, no, no. I've shown you here with your dog on leash and you're two yards away, it's because he can't see your face. So we gradually unravel what are the things that make learning difficult for the dog till we proof it up like a game. The dog will sit no matter where he is, no matter what you're doing. You're lying on the ground, you're doing a handstand, you're jumping up and down, the dog's sniffing another dog's butt. We do all of these tests. Now your dog is learning what sit means. Mm-hmm. Now he's much more safe off leash out there. Right. But if anything goes wrong, rover sit. End of problem. Run up, put your dog on leash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just a, it's a different way to train. You know, it's like, you, you have to, most people, you have the best possible training scenario and the worst possible training scenario. The worst one is off leash, out of distance, dog out of control. The best one is in the kitchen, the dog's on leash at meal times. Well, they don't do either. Because the worst one's impossible and he says Nobody always does it in the kitchen. That's where you start. You do it in the kitchen, then the living room, yeah. then the whole house, then the yard, then the yard with a the person, then the yard with two people, then the yard with three dogs, then the yard with just one dog. Right. Then you move to a different yard. So baby steps so, approach. Yeah, to training. bit by bit, and we gradually. So what,
1: what about Bob?
2: Approach the, to training. The, <laughs> the, the, the complexities. And well, not only yeah. Baby,
1: yeah, it is baby steps, but it's also successive mm. approximations. It's general. It's generalization is what it is. Yes. Like, that's what most dogs don't do very well, and what most people do very well, and so there's a, a misunderstanding Maybe right? well. yeah. Yeah. A misunderstanding about how dogs might learn and, and how they take the information in and absorb it.
2: You're so right, that dogs are so particular, so, such fine discriminators, and if you teach them sit in the kitchen, then you have a good kitchen dog. may not even sit for me in the kitchen probably won't sit for you on grass or, or in the park.
1: And people call this stubborn, or oh, you I know, oh, wait, no. oh he knows I mean, he it, knows he's it. stubborn he, because he doesn't an He knows it, and this is why no, the baby steps are so important.
2: And it's the major difference between a child and a dog in terms of their cognitive abilities. The children generalize so fast you can't believe it. The only times dogs generalize is, is when it comes to fears,
1: then they, <laughs> then they
2: generalize like wildfire, you know. Mm-hmm. First, they don't like one person, then all men, and then all strangers, and then and so on and so on. So it's a different way of training dogs, and to realize you have to train them in real life, in every scenario, in every place, during every activity. That
1: brings another point with that. You know, they generalize with fear. I would say they probably generalize with most emotionally based, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yes. feelings. Whereas you know, yeah. a basic training scenario isn't necessarily. An emotional experience mm-hmm. it's you know it's a learning experience. that's where they discriminate yeah And that's where they're discriminating because they're trying to figure it out now if you have a dog that is emotionally very excited or happy about training maybe you can get a, a faster response which is why classical conditioning is so great right I think oh it's wonderful it's I mean it's it's thing. most
2: underrated tool that yeah. we have fear because when you classically condition, most problems disappear. <laughs> the dog doesn't want to bite people or attack other dogs yeah, so now.
1: Fear is yeah. an adaptive emotion, and oh, it's fair, important yeah. for them to pay attention to that. Whereas sitting, you know, paying attention to uh, inherently irrelevant cue when they're having right. a better a better time at the park, it doesn't. You know, there's no there's no right. evolutionarily inherent, that, that hasn't helped. There's them. no air benefit there. So yeah. so let's see. She needs to practice what we learned was. Baby steps, right? Mm-hmm. Baby steps yeah. in training. Generalization takes. Generalization yeah. takes a while.
2: And she's had many successes. <laughs> and congratulate and yourself for those successes, right. and high, make them more. High your rate dog of reinforcement. Better
1: and better. Yeah. As well, reinforce and recognize when your dog is doing something right. Mm-hmm. All
0: right, all right. stick with it. Damn right. Okay, well. well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.